Diogwyf, Stephen is anam dom, is erinoc me agus ta me kaint os gwelge. Ta siv e geistog show. Welcome to The Fluent Show, a podcast all about loving, living and learning languages. My name is Kirsten Cable from fluentlanguage.co.uk and on this show here we talk about anything and everything interesting from the world of learning another language. In today's show, something extremely interesting is coming your way and we have a visual element to the show as well because we're talking about... The coolest, easiest, most effective way of creating your own language learning journal, taking cool language learning notes. I'm a bit of a dabbler with the old bullet journal and language learning journals, but on this show today, I have got two masters who create wonderful little spreads in their notebooks, and they are incredibly inspiring. They are Catherine and Sam, both of whom I connected with on Instagram first. So I've got links to their Instagram accounts for you. And I have a huge gallery full of image after image after image of inspiring language learning notes from learners who have submitted their best pages to me to share with you guys. And you'll find all of this in the show notes at fluent.show slash 107. And when you go there, the top link in the description of the show notes is going to take you to my blog so you can look at all that. In the conversation today, we're going to be discussing what it means to take language learning notes, how whether you have to be worried about taking a picture and sharing them on social media, how they can help you organize the chaos in your brain and how to just have fun with all of this this creation of language learning notes. Plus, we got a little bit nerdy as well. So we've got at the end of our conversation a gear list, just like <laughs> what do you guys love to use? And we had a lot of notebook love to share. So stay tuned for all that. Before we kick off the interview, there's obviously a thank you to give to our intro person, our intro creator this week, which is Stephen again, because he's so polyglot. I think he sent me about four language intros. So if you're interested in giving us an intro or having your voice heard on the show, please do email me kirsten at fluentlanguage.co.uk just like Stephen did. And the language you heard there was Irish Gaelic. Pretty amazing, right? And of course, the other thing to do is to give a shout out to our show sponsors. Thank you so much to Live Lingua. LiveLingua is a platform where you can find a Skype teacher that you're going to absolutely love and they look after you from the first second that you try it out. Skype lessons, you guys know. I mean, I started as a Skype teacher. Sam, who's on the show this week, is a Skype teacher, is, is an online teacher. And online teaching, online lessons are an integral part to your language learning, whether it's basic phrases or questions for an upcoming trip or a comprehensive understanding of the language. With a live Skype lesson, you have got a native speaking tutor, you are working one-to-one, -one, you can do all that from the comfort of your home online and activate your knowledge and speak build that speaking confidence. It's a really great way of learning. I would recommend it to anybody. And LiveLingua is great because they have got the experience of teaching over 14,000 students. So they know what they're doing. They've got 11 languages on offer and their teachers are all vetted native speakers. So you know what you're going to pay. There's like just a straight up rate that you pay to your teacher, you know they're being rewarded fairly, you know it's all being organized for you and there's not even any of the calendaring because they contact you and they find a time when both you and your teacher are available and ready to get into the fluency adventure. I tested LiveLingua out before I accepted them as a sponsor for the show because I want to make sure that I've only offering you, I'm only offering you the best. And my own test experience really convinced me. It was with Rocio, Rocio? A Spanish teacher who was incredibly well-prepared, friendly, encouraging, and just an expert on anything I asked her. She provided me with a simple assessment and even a study plan. 
so impressive, told me what to focus on. And afterwards, I got contacted right away from Matt from Live Lingua saying, hey, when do you want to, when are you free? When do you want to book in your next lesson? So it was all very, very easy. And this whole process, an hour of Spanish, was offered to me for free as part of the special offer that Live Lingua are putting on for fluent podcast, fluent show podcast listeners. You can sign up for a free trial lesson and just give it a go. Try it out for yourself at livelingua.com slash fluent. That link tells them I sent you, which is really important. And their immersive language learning method is convenient, productive. It's built to meet your specific scenario and it's right there for you. So visit livelingua.com slash fluent to sign up for your free lesson. Thank you so much to Livelingua for sponsoring the show. Now, those are two very important links for you that we've already mentioned. Livelingua dot com slash fluent and the other one of course where you will find everything about the show in one convenient place is fluent dot show slash 107 and that gives you the link through to our amazing gallery maybe pull it up right now so you can look at the inspiring images while you listen to the cool people who are creating them here on the show and with that on to say hi to Catherine and sam on to the interview Hello, hello! I have now found my two wonderful interview guests for episode 107, two very prolific notebook takers and note takers and just all-round pretty note experts, and they are Catherine and Sam. Catherine is a primary teacher. She's originally from Northern Ireland and now she lives in London. Hey, Catherine! Hi! Hey! And my other guest is Sam. And we were chatting before, and so Sam, you are from Kent, where I live now, but now you live in the Northwest, where I used to live, <laughs> which made me very happy to hear. And uh, Sam is learning Italian and is an online English teacher. Hello. Hello, hello. Yeah, how are you guys doing? Yeah, very good. good. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah. So weekends nearly here. Oh, yeah, no, it's, we're, we're all excited about that. And it's hard, right? Because this show is coming out on Monday. So oh. we've, we've... <laughs> sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> How was your weekend? <laughs> oh, yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, yeah, great. Okay, so we're talking about keeping a language learning notebook. And I've previously thought about this and kind of written a little bit about, bit about this. But I wanted to bring you guys on because you are particularly good at getting creative and getting getting a little bit more unusual with notes normally when we think of notes sort of scribbles and dots and perhaps you draw a line pointing at one thing or another but it's not really something that we consider as as a learning goal so i've got a few reasons to keep a notebook that i wrote down for myself that we'll run through in a minute but first i wanted to ask you guys what are your own benefits of writing in a notebook when you're learning a language and perhaps also mention how did you come to language learning Catherine you kick us off yeah sure um so for me the benefits of keeping like a paper-based kind of notebook um I actually call it my language journal um is because paper crafts and writing um what my mom would lovably call it cutting and sticking uh, has always been a part of my life. It's it's always been a hobby of mine. So I think when I started to learn Norwegian, it seemed like a very natural process for me. Um, so it wasn't so much that I was trying to make my notes pretty. Instead, it's more like Norwegian has given me content to include in a hobby that I would be doing anyway. Um, so for me, it's it's more of a kind of a natural process as opposed to um, trying to make it look a certain way, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, so, yeah. Did you come to it right from the start, knowing this is how you were going to kick off? Or did you approach Norwegian learning sort of with a bit of fear and trepidation? You thought there must be a certain way that I do it because not everybody kicks off incorporating it with a loving hobby like like you have oh absolutely i mean i think learning anything new when you come to it um to begin with can be very overwhelming and i think um particularly if you go to classes or you meet other people 
everyone learns in a different way and you feel that you have to match another person's style or you have to follow a textbook or a particular course. And so I think it really helped me to kind of break out of that box and um, just do it in a way that made sense for me. Um, so, I mean, the, f- the first kind of notebook that I kept was a mix of everything because I was still kind of finding my feet with it. Um, and it's only in the last couple of months that I've kind of changed my approach and made it more personalized in a way uh, and kind of fit into my regular life as opposed to setting aside time to do certain activities, if that makes sense. Um, but I will say it's just one aspect of my learning journey. Um, because obviously keeping a notebook doesn't ensure that you are doing your speaking and listening and um, you know building your conversational skills and things like that. So yeah, it's definitely one element um, of it. Mm. Sam, what are you what are the benefits for you of writing in writing in a notebook, using a notebook? Uh, for me, uh, well, I've been sort of on and off learning Italian for the last like six years now. So, and I've tried loads of different things and, um, I wanted to just do something that was a bit more creative because I studied design at university and I've always enjoyed drawing and, and that kind of thing. Um, and it's really only become part of my, uh, my, I guess my utility belt of language learning, um, in the last year, um, where I decided that The other techniques I'd been learning to try and memorize information, um, like flashcards and things, they just weren't working for me. And so I just thought I'd try something a little different just to make the, the language a bit more, a bit more memorable, um, by spending the time just, uh, creating something a little bit different and a little bit unique to me. Um, cause it just felt like it, it sort of brought the, the language to life for me more, um, and helped me to visualize different ideas that maybe just reading them in a textbook just didn't help them sort of sink in enough. Mm. Um, and the the main reason I do it is just because it's, it's really fun. Um, and for me, that's probably one of the most important things for me when I'm choosing like a new, a new technique or a new um, resource for learning Italian or any other language is that I, I want to be having fun. And for me, sitting just sort of copying standard notes across it, it's just very monotonous and it's uh so my brain just sort of switches off but doodling little cartoons and putting notes with them and things like that it's uh yeah really fun and i look forward to doing it and because i spend the time dedicated to it it helps build those connections that help me to remember the 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 phrases and the new vocabulary and stuff like that Just building on what Sam said um, about how he finds it fun, um, the episode that you did recently on um, fun being a motivating factor, I think that is something that being creative um, with the language really helps with because I feel like if the study method isn't fun, you need to change it up because language learning does need to be inspiring and motivating um, and keeping a journal definitely has those aspects for me and it sounds like for Sam as well so Mm. yeah I'm hearing that from both of you so that that you're mentioning fun particularly and I find that interesting it stands out to me that it's different from usually what we're thinking of we're thinking how can I have fun with the language which sort of presumes that you already have a certain level and then you're sort of wondering if you're good enough almost to do the things that you find fun whereas Mm -hmm. what you two are doing is approaching this much more from well, what do I find fun already um, and how do I build my language learning into it? And note-taking obviously lends itself to that. So what do you do? What sort of notes do you take? What do you take notes on? What do you put in your notebooks? How do you, how do you fill them? Open question. Would you like to go first, Sam? Yeah, yeah sure. Um, for me, I, uh, I'm very chaotic. Um, you know, basically wherever I go, it's like a storm has happened and there's just mess everywhere. And my notebook <laughs> follows suit with that really. Um, so I kind of, when I'm, when I'm learning, like, especially Italian, now I'm sort of like at the intermediate level of that horrible plateau that everyone talks about. Um, for me, it's almost just like one problem at a time. So there's, I notice one part of my pronunciation that's really just terrible or not as good as I want it to be. So I try to write down some notes or or draw some pictures or do something that will help me 
solve that problem and make it memorable. So next time I see the hard C in Italian, I say the right sound instead of the wrong sound I have been saying. Um, and so there's not really a an order. It's almost one problem followed by the next problem. Um, and I think it, I, I sort of refer back to it and it almost, as I'm trying to find the page I'm looking for, it reminds me of all those old lessons. Um, it's it's kind of a bit like that idea of like a, a memory palace, um, except I'm kind of just searching through my messy journey of solving Italian problems to find the piece of information I'm looking for. Um, and so, yeah, that's that's mainly sort of how I how I plan it. It's more just I learn a new phrase in a lesson, I hear a new phrase in a in a TV show or a, a song that I'm listening to, and I I figure out the the problem, and then I I record it in my in my book more for for reference to show that I'm actually improving and learning new things. Um, for me, my um language journal has really evolved in the last year. I think. When I started out, I wasn't really sure what I wanted it to be. And similar to Sam, it was a little bit chaotic. It was, you know, on one page, there could be some grammar exercises. On the next page, there might be some form of um, dialogue practice or a vocab list. And I think that's definitely the approach that you need to take if you're starting out with a, with a language journal, because you have to find what works for you. And I think. My when my notebook ran out uh, recently, I realized um, how much progress I had made in my writing in the last year. And, you know, starting out uh, last September, maybe only being able to write a sentence or three sentences on a page and then making a vocab list, really picking up on that vocab and, you know, reviewing it, running with it. Um, so that when I started my newest uh, language journal, I've actually just decided to just keep a journal. So there is no set grammar exercises in it now. Um, there are no set rules in a way. It's simply the date and then my thoughts, my day, what I'm thinking at that time, what topic I want to write about in Norwegian. So it's making the language more a part of my day and a part of my daily life as opposed to setting aside time to study. Um, which feels very liberating, actually, and it feels really like I've made progress in the last year. It's very motivating, and so far I'm enjoying it. Um, I'm, I might hit a wall at some point and maybe have to change it up, but for now, it's it's working for me. Um, so yeah, mm. this was something that stood out for me when I was thinking about the benefits of keeping a language learning notebook. One of the benefits being that you get to completely control what is in there you get to control the layout so whatever makes sense to you like it doesn't have to be this particular constellation of grammar table that a textbook or a website will give you and especially a lot of people now learn with youtube and with podcasts there so there isn't so much the material is is on a screen which means you can very quickly get rid of it 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 just sort of disappears and there's a there's an aspect where like what you were saying, Sam, I thought was really interesting, like things stay and it which, which sort of means they stay in your way, but actually that, that that helps you remember what it is that you were learning in the first place. Yeah, exactly. It's it's that that idea that, you know, sort of everyone talks about the the repetition and the spaced repetition. And um, you know, for me, my 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 notebook is actually probably the third the third time I've seen that information because I almost mm -hmm. study it and learn it once. And then I quickly scribble it down in my, in my even messier, like messy notepad. And then when I have the time to sit down and, and review that, that stuff that I've learned, and then I, I put it into almost my pretty notepad, then it's that repetition that I guess you'd normally get from some, from say flashcards. But, um, when I've tried doing that before, the process of creating the flashcards is, is just, not inspiring to me at all mm. and then by the time i have the flashcards ready i'm already bored of them whereas doing it that way every stage i have fun learning it and then i scribble it down and it's fun to find those words that i learned and maybe i've already forgotten them mm. and then to to draw them down again i i remember it's all those connections and those additional memories i remember learning them messily writing them drawing cartoons and then 
eventually finding them again while I'm looking for something else. And all of those just makes them much more solid. So for me, it's more, uh, it's that idea of quality over quantity um, and choosing the, the really valuable stuff that I'm going to use. And that's, I sort of want to keep with me when I yeah. move forward in Italian. So there's two memory techniques that you're bringing in through the process of having, say, a messy and then a clean notepad notebook, which is number one, this, this like you mentioned, a spaced repetition, repeating something several times. We need that. We need the repeated exposure in order to remember most things in language learning. Like nothing, almost nothing goes in the first time except the useless stuff, I feel. And um, the other thing is reducing information and almost re-formulating, re-expressing what it is that you've taken in because you will write it down in a way that makes sense to you. If you're reading a sentence in a grammar book that doesn't make sense, you're not, you're not going to copy that down word for word because it doesn't make sense to you, right? Yeah, and it's making it appropriate to, or maybe not appropriate, but specific to yourself. So because yeah. like you say, it's from your own personal experience, there's that, that personal connection to it. And like, mm. you know, for me, when uh, there's two different ways to ask where someone's from in Italian, and I always got them confused and prepositions in, well, in any language are, are one of the, my pet peeves because they're so difficult to learn properly uh, without just randomly guessing. And so for, for that phrase, I actually now remember drawing the two different cartoons that I drew to to show the two different ideas of one being a city and one being a country. And so now I, every time I use that phrase, I remember those pictures and trying to decide what what image was most appropriate for me and and all of those sort of connections. It's like a really rich memory just for one phrase. And so it's it's very difficult to forget that. If you just hear it once in a YouTube video, then, you know, tomorrow after you, you've had some dinner and watched some terrible british tv then you've probably forgotten it already so it's um for me it's about sort of cherry picking that really important information that i'm learning um, and like you say not everything but the ones i think are going to be most useful to me at the time yeah i think as well um i think as well when i started learning norwegian i was so focused on being a good student because as a teacher i want to also be a good student um and I really focused on textbooks and obviously textbooks are a fantastic resource, but I think I was so focused on going from chapter one, progressing to chapter two and so on, that I wasn't taking account of whether the vocabulary and the situations that it was teaching me were relevant to my life. And since keeping a journal and cherry picking the aspects that I know will be relevant to my life and kind of taking ownership of my learning. I feel like it has become more personal because keeping a journal, it is you, it's your memories. It's things that you talk about day to day with friends and family. And as one of my goals is to be able to talk to my husband's family, I need to be able to talk about my everyday life because realistically, those are the conversations that I will be having. Um, and I think keeping a journal, you're always talking about a lot of similar things. So you're getting that spaced repetition over time and it's reinforcing the key vocab, um, you know, tenses and all the kind of little smaller grammar aspects of everyday conversation. So I find that really useful. Mm. So there is a certain way people use paper now certainly i do uh, which is sort of inspired by bullet journaling or bullet journaling kind of gave this a name <laughs> i feel but you know it's it's this way of organizing your day on paper and to kind of keep track of what you're doing and your to-do lists and planning ahead etc i do use the bullet journal and one of the big things when when i was making the well, it wasn't really when I was making the language habit toolkit. It, went, it kind of went the other way around, which was when I was starting to learn Welsh, I wanted to keep myself organized on paper. I kind of came into bullet journal at the same time as getting more and more serious about Welsh, Welsh, Welsh. And I was, I was kind of starting to draw these little goal-setting templates, and then I was starting to track day by day and tracking in different ways and working ahead and then thinking about reviews. And that was sort of the early days of, of making the Language Habit Toolkit that came out of 
paper tracking and how I wanted to to track. So I feel like I I have very much formalized um that well, you know, then you kind of put it together for other people and then you it has to be very, very formalized and, and well, only strict because you, you have to give people something. You can't just give people like a wobbly jelly pudding of of information. <laughs> <laughs> but that definitely for me, the concepts that I created or the the goal setting and organizing myself that i created on paper was what gave me so much insight about how i learn how effective learning works and then later the language habit toolkit and the thing i was wondering uh was whether you guys do do a similar way of organizing yourselves on paper or whether you your notebook is just for that it's like a different thing hmm um yeah, so when I started out keeping a language notebook or a language journal, I did have aspects of bullet journaling in there. I had a tracker for um, whether I spoke, listened to, wrote, um, read, or did Duolingo, for example, on that day. And over a period of a few months, it was very clear to see where I was lacking, generally in speaking, which I think is a common thing that people can relate to. Um, so after a few months, I could see the patterns and I was able to recognize the gaps that I needed to fill. So I think because I've almost moved away from a bullet journal style to more of a documentary um, style journal, there are only two kind of logs or trackers, I guess you could call them, that I keep. So the first one is my mini goals log. and uh, I've. I've talked about this on Instagram before about my mini goals log. I like to break um, tasks down into long-term, medium-term and short-term goals. Um, but the mini goals I like to keep are things that can be achieved um, within a week so that you can really see the rapid progress. So I do still keep that at the back of my journal and I try to set myself those small goals. The other thing that I keep then is uh, new vocabulary. Because I've moved away from doing set tasks and it's more just building Norwegian into a daily writing practice, I want to ensure that I don't lose the new vocabulary that I'm learning. So um, I always write in my journal, leaving a line in between each line um, so that I have the line above to put in the corrections. And if I don't know a word, I will just simply write it in English when I'm writing to keep the flow going, um, and then I'll correct it later. So I'll write the word above it in Norwegian and when I get it checked, and I'll also highlight the word and add it to my list at the back of my journal. And I'll also date that word. And I think that just keeps me accountable. So like if I see, well, hold on, you used this word three weeks ago and you haven't added it to a flashcard deck or you haven't used it in kind of a quick writing exercise since or in your in your speaking practice it really keeps that vocabulary in my in my immediate vision so that i will definitely go back and review that because i think it's very easy to have a lot of really great useful vocabulary get left behind if it's not used so I'm experimenting with that at the moment and seeing if I can continue to build those things in. Um, because I think no matter how chaotic it, it gets, you still need some kind of aspect of organization to ensure that you don't leave great vocabulary or learning behind. So, yeah. Sam, you already mentioned you're super chaotic. <laughs> do, you, do you organize yourself on paper? um surprisingly actually the the bullet journal sort of tracking systems was actually where i sort of started with my language notebook uh, about uh, a year ago 18 months i um I, I sort of usually track my goals with the the clear the list that you and Lindsay have, have talked about loads of times um and i started using the, the my own sort of style of a bullet journal tracker to uh, track those goals as part of my my sort of clear the list process really to just um, add that sort of creativity and, and fun for me and that visual record to almost show when I've 
in last October, my it was a pumpkin divided into lots mm. of different sections. And <laughs> I so remember when yeah. I when I coloured my pumpkin, and I felt like I'd suddenly achieved something great. And uh, and then sort of earlier this year, I, I uh, life got a little crazy, and I decided I needed to just take a break from. Um, not serious language learning, but just put it on the back burner and just kind of enjoy using the language and not worry too much about goals. Um, and that's when I decided to just start doing some, some doodles and starting a, a notepad rather than tracking my goals, more just sort of recording the language. And actually, um, now I'm, I'm loving it so much. That's some of one of the main activities I'm actually doing. Um, and so when I, when I sort of get back into setting the rigid goals and really sort of putting the fire under myself to to progress with sort of clear the list and that stuff i'll track it but for me they're almost two separate entities one is almost a, a motivation before and afterwards to color it in because i i don't want to be embarrassed when i i post the picture of a completely empty pumpkin in october um and then the notepads for just helping me remember all the fun new stuff that i'm learning mm. Mm. That sounds that sounds really interesting. Actually, I found with clear the list as well because they are goals that are meant to last me a month. I have to write them down somewhere and I have to put them up like on the wall. I have to continuously have those in front of me. Otherwise, I won't internalize them as much. So I just kind mm -hmm. of want to be looking at them somewhere inspiring. So mine are usually behind my screen. Now you are both. This is a. I thought this was really interesting when I noticed you're both teachers. Which means yes. you, I mean, this. I would come to this and say, this means that you come to learning with a certain level of confidence, like you sort of have ideas about how people learn and maybe how you learn, and you're not quite so scared as some people might be when they're approaching language learning for the first time. It can be so daunting and people just think they're rubbish when they haven't even tried. So you kind of come at this with some confidence, but also you've maybe through training, through routine, you know how to chunk and organize knowledge. And I wonder, do you have any tips or any ways that other people can adapt on how to structure their studies using, using your methods? I don't know if there's a set teacher secret, um, but I would say making sure that you're hitting all of the areas. If you're just keeping a notebook, it's very easy to fall into the trap of just reading and writing. And I am guilty of falling into that trap. Mm. My language learning style is very visual. I'm a visual learner. And so, you know, studying with paper and pen really works for me in that way. But I have to always remember that my listening and speaking may be lacking then. So I think things like trackers are great to ensure that you are hitting all of those different areas mm, yeah um and also an approach i like to take is um that of uh, project-based learning which is something that i find really useful both as a teacher of children and um, but also in teaching myself which is choosing a resource that you really really love and for me at the moment that is a norwegian copy of charlie and the chocolate factory And instead of just reading and translating that and maybe taking out some vocab, I use, honestly, a page at a time sometimes, just a page at a time. I've been reading this book for a year. Believe me, it takes ages to fully suck everything you can out of a resource. Um, but looking at that resource a page at a time and thinking, what can I really get out of this besides translating it and maybe pulling out vocab? And that might be doing some comprehension exercises. So if you have a page of a book that you really enjoy in your target language, um, giving it to an italki teacher before the lesson and saying, I want some questions around this. Um, or, you know, um, getting the audiobook and so that you can hear it as well. Creating your own questions around it, rewriting that page in your own words. And if you really, it's about getting everything you possibly can out of a resource besides what its first intention was, which was, you know, to be read if it's mm -hmm. a page in a book. Mm -hmm. um, and finding resources that you really love. Because for me, like I said, you know, textbooks are very useful, but 
it's not the most creative way for me. So I love to learn through comics. I love to learn through children's books because these are things I like in real life. And if you can think of ways to creatively use, say, a chapter in a book to encompass comprehension, speaking, listening, all of those elements, it becomes a much richer resource. Mm. And you bring in the page to life. Sam, exactly. what, what else do you do or what else do you use besides, besides your notebook? Um, I kind of, like, uh, like Catherine was saying, it's for me, it, really the, the secret, um, I don't really have a teacher secret because all my teacher <laughs> secrets are my, are my language learner secrets. Um, but it's, <laughs> for me, it's doing the stuff that I like doing in English, but in my new language. So I love playing video games. I love reading comics, uh, watching films. And so my, my activities are, are normally related to doing, doing that really. Um, and, kind of just getting as much exposure to the language in my day-to-day -day as as physically possible so i've almost always got um italian radio playing um while i'm doing anything really just wandering around or or tidying the house and um if i'm doing the washing up i i put the ipad on the windowsill and, and watch an episode of something on netflix in italian mm. and um you know it's i think it's it's all about really doing the stuff you really love to do if languages weren't involved and just involve languages in those things. Yeah. And then that really sort of focuses my, um, the, my learning or my, my study time. Um, because if there's a particular film I want to watch or a book I want to read, um, so like the book I'm, I'm using kind of in the same way Catherine said is, uh, the first Harry Potter. Um, because it's my favorite book in English. So. I thought, why not? Um, and it's only, I've only had it for about five years now and I'm still halfway through. Um, and Good so, effort. Yeah. Yeah, it, that's it, dedication. <laughs> and it's just, it's, um, you know, so uh, there's lots of vocabulary in there that's specific to that sort of story and that genre. So then I've, I focus on learning some of that. There's a lot of common expressions they use all the way through. Um, and like you say, it's about taking that one thing that you love and doing as many different things as you can with it. So reading it out loud to improve your pronunciation because at any level really you start to notice when even you sound wrong so you don't always need a native speaker to correct you because you can tell it's wrong especially if you have the audiobook you can listen to the audiobook and then read out loud and you'll clearly be able to tell when there's something clearly not not sounding right um and so for me it's kind of With the, the techniques I use, it's playing to my strengths, playing to the things I love to do and I enjoy doing. Um, but the, the topic of the activity is almost playing to my weaknesses. So doing something fun, but focusing on something that I'm really terrible at. And that's where I see the biggest improvement. Because if you just focus on the stuff you're already pretty good at, there's not as much room to, to grow or to, to improve. And that's when you can feel like you're just, sitting and studying for hours and hours and not really achieving anything. Mm, that's fascinating, actually. I really, I, thank you so much for those insights. I think they're really cool. And one question that, that I sort of had that propped up in my mind around the topic of mistakes, I think that leads me into a question about the online community around this, because I think mm -hmm. similar to YouTube, some people look for inspiration on YouTube And then they get quite intimidated because there's sort of 20 language polyglots on there. And, and you can always, like, it's so easy to find somebody who's always ahead of you. And then it can be so easy to feel like you're stuck just because you're not where somebody else is. And to sort of, as my friend says, keep your eyes on your own paper. But yeah. other people may feel incredibly inspired. And obviously, with I know from the bullet journal community and also this sort of language notes community, which is not very big, The, um, or maybe I'm just not aware of it. So you correct me if I'm wrong. Hmm. But <laughs> so the, there is a lot of mutual inspiration. There's a lot of like really beautiful notes. It's all these like visual arrangements. You get these beautifully composed images, etc. So mm -hmm. it could make you feel like when you're writing something, it has to be perfect. It could make you feel like your mistakes must never be shown on the internet, must, must be sort of kept private, and mm -hmm. maybe your notes aren't pretty enough and you don't want to share them. So where do you stand on the community? Do you ever feel like you don't stack up? 
I think so. I mean, I would hate to think that I would make anyone feel like that. I, I do get comments from people saying, um, oh, I wish I would have time for this, but it would take me ages for my handwriting to look like that. And I, my reply is the same as always. I'm really sorry, but I was a primary school teacher. So my handwriting is just naturally clear and in print. Um but it, it can be a very competitive environment, and that's definitely not something that I want to buy into personally. And what I create is because, like I said, this is a hobby of mine. Paper crafts and journaling and doodling and, and all of that is is my hobby. And, you know, it is nice to put out a nice photograph of that. And it, it, by all means, it's very flattering to get, you know, likes and, and comments and things like that. But I think the thing that is the most rewarding is the same, you know, 10, 12 people that I speak to on a regular basis on Instagram. And I think we really need to focus on the fact that just because someone has 6,000 followers on Instagram, that doesn't mean anything about their language learning abilities. And it doesn't mean that what they're creating is any more valid than what you create. And yeah, I think that it is a great space to to make connections and new friends and uh, expand the community of language learners but you definitely don't want it to be a toxic environment and i think it definitely has the potential to have that like you said Kirsten with with youtube um of people feeling oh i'm not at that level or i i can't produce something like that and I would be lying if I if I said I never felt like that myself. But I think the the desire to learn this language, um, the desire to keep a journal and post and make friends and basically feel good about the progress that I've made outweighed that. And I would encourage anyone who's thinking about, you know, getting feedback on their notes anything like that to, to do it um, because there will be people that post uh, you know or who won't post pictures from their language books because god forbid they had to use tip x or cross something out um, and there are people like that um, but I think it takes people showing that it's okay to make mistakes and taking a picture even if you had to cross something out or you know I mean, I, I post pictures with my red corrections above it all the time because that's the learning. That's the process that you have to go through. And that's what a language notebook should look like. Because mm, yeah. if you're just copying and pasting things that have already been pristinely translated, you're not learning anything from that. And if anything, it's, it's great to see the amount of red pen diminish as the months go on with certain things, you know? Yeah. Um, so I do encourage people to post their mistakes as well because that's the learning happening, you know. Yeah, I think the 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 thing with social media, like you say, it's that that comparison you can make with, um, you know, you you go anywhere and you type in language learning, and you're instantly confronted with, you know, tens if not hundreds of uh, polyglots that have learned 12 languages in 10 mm. days and, and all these, these crazy things. And if you start comparing yourself to that, then it, that can be sort of quite dangerous and quite demotivating. It's the same as if you're on social media and you, you're, you're trying to compare pictures that have so many likes against likes. And actually, for me, it's more important to, to see that and be inspired and think that's what I want. And I'm, you know, I might not learn as quickly as that person. Um, I might be, because th most of these people, if they've been learning for 10 years, they're five years ahead of me. So I think in five years time, I could be where they are if I put the work in. And so it's, for me, it's more about making sure you don't feel jealous of what other people are doing now and think, well, if they're doing it, I'm, I'm just as capable. I have hands and a pen and some paper. So, you mm -hmm. know, with, pr with practice, you know, the whole point of learning a language is you you start with nothing and you you practice and practice until you can do it better the next time. And doing drawings or writing or or anything is is exactly that process. Mm. And you know, that's something I've always struggled with is because, as we said, I'm very chaotic. So I'm I'm not a perfectionist, and I'm I I never will be. And I think it's taken me a long time to actually realise that that is okay, and it's mm -hmm. okay for my notepad to. The, my handwriting to be not as neat as 
some of the other people or for um for, for not to worry so much about the proportions of the layout and putting things in thirds and and things like that <laughs> that actually no one other than me will actually notice um it's there there, there was a guy who, who said something really good to me like when you're doing presentations if you drop your pen in a presentation for you it feels like the world is ending and everything's in slow motion and actually no one else even notice and it's exactly yeah. the same when you make a mistake or you if you write something and there's a there's a crossed out word no one actually notices that because they're more interested in the positive things that they're looking to try and take for their own learning so mm -hmm. it's it's kind of taking that that inspiration and, and seeing oh i really love the way they've done this so i'm going to try that next time or i love that using this color or that washi tape or sticking a photo in in that angle and you know it's kind of just because they're doing it better or different actually shows you thing gives you new ideas for how you can do things yourself so for mm. me it's learning from it rather than letting it sort of put pressure on me to think that i need to be doing something different because actually you know an okay drawing is exactly that it's it's okay it's not bad at all it reminds me of the austin Kleon book steal like an artist which is that <laughs> yeah. you know the the idea that well not you know, copying from each other is not only okay, is actually encouraged. And especially when people, when people share, you know, like not to the extent of proprietary, what's it called? Um, plagiarism, you know, not to like completely steal and say that, but if you take something and then you draw it with your own hand and it is inspired by something that you've seen, that, that is a good thing. So as all things, social media and internet, this one is to, to be approached with a healthy dose of self-confidence and you know self-assuredness and i would strongly push back i mean or Catherine, maybe you don't feel this way but i certainly feel a need to push back a little bit when somebody says to me oh i wouldn't have time for that because it's it's a favorite language learning sentence mm -hmm. and it's often an easy way of you know of of expressing maybe i would like that but mm. but i find myself so so far removed from that so i kind of try to express that it's possible in very small steps small doses yes um i think you know like i said earlier if if a certain method isn't working for you or you're not enjoying it i don't think that you should continue with it if it's really making you feel uncomfortable or you know you don't feel it's working for you mm -hmm. but um you don't have to i mean some of these accounts have beautiful hand drawn illustrations which I just can't do or, you know, I have no, you know, personally, I don't feel like I need that on, on mine. But, you know, I, you know, like Sam said, you know, putting in photographs, uh, personal items, like if you've been to a show, sticking in a ticket right about the show that you've seen, it adds that kind of personal touch that will make you want to return to that page and review the learning that happened. I think when I was just keeping, you know, textbook exercises or grammar tables and things like that, I'd write them in my notebook and they looked lovely, but I never returned to them. I never wanted to look at it again. In, in, in a way, it was, I've ticked that box, I've done it, I want to move on. Mm -hmm. Whereas with a journal, if it's more personal and you're keeping a notebook and, and maybe you are an artist or an illustrator or, you know, or maybe more like me, where it's just sticking in tickets or photographs and, you know, little bits and pieces that, you know, you find, you know, look nice. That's something I want to go back to. I want to go back to those memories and read about how I felt about the show, who I went with, what my friends were going through that week, um, because that is life. And like Sam said earlier, um, if it's personal, uh, you'll want to you'll want to reflect on that and go back and I think that's really important in language learning because we need that repetition because you mm. can spend an hour creating a beautiful grammar table <laughs> <laughs> yeah but if after you've spent the 30 minutes 45 minutes making that and you never look at it again it's pointless and I have been guilty of doing that and I'm not a you know, ashamed to say that I, I did do things because I thought they would be useful and they weren't. And that's okay. You've got to try different things out, I think. Um, 
and so far, writing personally is working for me. I will go back, I will review those things um, because they're things I care about. Mm. Sam, do you have any tips for anybody who is a brand new starter who's listening to this and thinking, yeah, I'd like to, you know, get more personal and and start out with with something. Do you have any easy places anybody could start? Hmm. I I think um, like well, whenever I start a language, I always uh, I always end up going to to podcasts um, like ones that are teaching you basic travel phrases because um, you know for me I know it's that thing again I know my weakness is always listening it always takes me a lot longer to to understand the sounds of a language compared to reading I can pick up the words fairly easily um, having not learned any uh, languages with scripts obviously um, but so I, I I sort of go to those those phrases and and actually some of the 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 pages that I do are simply just um, creating some imagery or just uh, replicating those phrases that I've learned from a YouTube video or something like that. So if you listen to a podcast that is asking for directions to the, you know, the usual places, the library, the train station, and, uh, you know, the shops, then, you know, you could do a page where you're, you know, uh, you're, you're doing directions and it could be as simple as, writing the phrases down and drawing a picture as a, of a train or it could be a map and you you have the words scattered around it you kind of i think the idea is you you can put as much into it and spend as long on it as you want and it's just finding that balance between spending hours on making something beautiful you're really proud of as a piece of art and something that is memorable to you that helps reinforce the language you're learning um but basically my my notepad is Anything that I do, I, c I will record in there. So, um, you know, I, uh, one of the things I'm, I'm actually planning on doing is just taking, like Catherine said, taking one page of a, a book that I'm reading and trying to translate it in English and comparing the natural expressions from the English version of the book that I also have and, um, pulling out some key vocabulary that I think is interesting or phrases that I hear all the time, but I don't really know how to use them. Because sometimes I know what it means, but learning mm. how to use it is again, it's almost a another skill that passive, active changeover. Mm. Um, and and so I think it's kind of uh, for me it, the the language journal and the language notes are almost just a companion to any activity I do to to learn a language. So it's kind of use it as you as you see fit as you learn the the content will be reflected in the way that you you do that. I think. Mm. I think for me, like a really simple tip if you want to get started in keeping uh, a language journal or notebook is to buy either a dotted notebook, I have a dotted one, or a blank paged notebook. Because as soon as you take the lines away from a notebook, it changes how you think. The lines keep you, keep you to a format that I think can sometimes box your thinking in. Once you have a blank page with no lines on it, it, it opens up the creativity, I feel. And it will encourage you to, uh, like Sam said, draw, stick things in, um, and really write between the lines. That sounds so cheesy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but without lines. <laughs> yeah. But when you take away the lines, it, it becomes less prescriptive, I feel. Mm. Um, and there is something quite scary about a blank page as well but I think it's just blank page and just write like don't be worried about how it looks or whatever because you'll find your style as you progress yeah um, and you can your style can evolve right oh absolutely 100% and like I said my last notebook looked very different to the one I have now I find a style it's taken me a year but I find a style that works for me And I enjoy sitting down and writing in my language journal. I see it as a break from my work. So I don't see language learning as a, as a job or, or like a, a to-do on my list, whereas before I may have felt that at times. I look forward to writing in my journal now um, because it's something that I truly enjoy. Yeah, I completely agree about the 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 dotted the my my dot notepad changed the way I do everything because um 
it it gives you an easy reference if you want to make something bigger or smaller and using the page and um, if you're like me and you don't have lines and you start writing and you end up writing from the top left to the bottom right in one line then <laughs> that's kind of helpful um but yeah it's it's uh, it's kind of as well remembering that it's not for anyone else if you want mm. to share it on social media, and and I really enjoy sharing my notes because um, less for the the nice comments, and, I, and people do say they they like the the illustrations that I do. Um, but for me, as long as I like them, then that's okay. And mm-hmm. even if I don't, then as long as I remember the words, then that's uh, that's the the minimum. But it's you know it it helps people. I have discussions with people about the things that I've I've written about, and some people have mentioned how it's it's shown them a different way to think about maybe pronunciation because they've never thought of doing drawings of particular objects with specific sounds to learn pronunciation. It's mm-hmm. um you know um but if if you do it and you don't want to share it with anyone, it it doesn't really matter how it looks because it's it's just for you and to improve your learning and to help you almost do a mind dump of the things you're learning into a book and i just see it as every page i'm doing it's it's a reference of how much i'm learning so mm-hmm. i think social media is great and if you want to share it and you want to join the the amazing language community um who are generally really friendly everyone's always happy to help and the people that you talk to on there you know everyone sends each other messages and if there's a question I put a question on my Instagram story and within 10 minutes I had five Italian people send me responses to what the word means and examples and you know that is just incredible but if you if you don't want to share uh, because you're nervous or you you don't feel it's for you then I don't think you should feel like you you have to it's mm. you know it it's completely just your own personal experience of of learning mm. I love this fascinating and you're right about the the personalization that's something that really stands out that number one you're you're coming out of the the restriction in a way the restriction that i know with youtube we have access to everything podcasts we have access to everything but it's very fleeting and because it's only uh something that you hear or see it it goes away away it goes away very quickly so with a notebook you're able to go back through and capture in a way the the most important things to yourself and the other thing is that it is such personalization so uh, as i wrap up could have this conversation for like 5 hours <laughs> um i have i have one important question for you and it's a it's a nerd paper nerd question uh what is your favorite Let's say gear. I'm I'm a vote number three on the on the dotted notebook, by the way. So I'm going to include in the in the show notes, which you guys can find as ever at fluent.show/slash 107, and I'll include a link there as well to my website where I'm doing a gallery of beautiful notes that I found around, and you will see some of my crappy notes as well, just to throw them in there. <laughs> but you know, we've got a big got a big gallery going over on the blog, so it's it's all celebration of handwritten notes. So. Guys, what are your top pens, notepads, washi tape stores? Like, <laughs> tell tell me all about your gear. <laughs> Do you want to go first, Sam? Yeah, sure. My my list is is fairly short. Um, <laughs> I, I have one of the. Uh, I think it's a German company. The dotted notepads that I'm sure Kirsten, you could probably uh, pronounce the the name. Lectrum. Leuch- Lectrum. Leuchtturm. That's oh, the one. Oh, very nice. <laughs> I've been called yeah. a, well, so I'm from Northern Ireland, so I call it Electrum. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the Leuchtturm 1917, 1917 is that what they're, they're amazing. Exactly, yes. yeah. That's the one I got just because it, it's got, um, it, it's a really deep pad. So some of the ones mm-hmm. I've seen before, they're dotted, but maybe you only have sort of 50 pages. And um, when I when I get one, I kind of want to to love it for a long time so i got that um and then normally it's just a a plain hb pencil and a rubber for when i do the little doodles because um i can't get rid of that little desire to make things look nice so i won't go pen to paper straight away um and then for writing and just sort of penning it in i just use like a statler fine liner that actually i've stole from my fiance's calligraphy (laughs) set but but for really any black thin black pen is what I use and then I just have a load of random coloured markers and pencils and things like that to add a little bit of colour and basically that's it so just a a pen Mm. and paper really 
Mm. Um, I have the same notebook. Uh, I use lots of different kind of, I use mixed media in my language journal. So it's really important that I have kind of thick paper where there's no, I think they call it ghosting, where it comes mm. through on the other side. So um, yeah. And the other thing, apart from a standard, again, black ink pen, that is something that I feel I have to use because <laughs> I've started using it, um, are regular, you know, colored pens. And also a really great thing is, let me just see if I can find the name of it because it's actually really cool. It's like a Tipex mouse, but instead of the Tipex, it has sticky tape. Oh, so you don't have to carry around a glue stick, and it doesn't leave any lumps or bumps. Um, I got it from Muji. Uh, I guess you would call it a rolling sticky tape dispenser. I'm not sure. I'll try and find it, and maybe Kirsten, you can share it with people. Mm -hmm. Um, but I find that's really useful. Um, and then other than that, because I do mixed media, I have a variety of um tickets from things that I've gone to, washi tapes, which you can pick up really cheaply from Hema or Flying Tiger. Um, there's also some fantastic Etsy stores where you can get um, some really lovely ones. I bought some yesterday from an Etsy store called Note and Wish, um, which is co-owned by um, a friend on, Insta on the Instagram language community called Jessica. Uh, and they use their watercolor designs to create the washi tapes, which is really lovely. Um, but other than that, I just try and pick up things cheaply. If I like a picture in a magazine, I'll cut it out. The notebook has a really nice pocket at the back. So I have a kind of little collection of items in there. I also have a photo printer. So I print out some of my own personal photographs to add in to give it that personal touch. Um, but it doesn't have to be expensive. Um, I I know those notebooks can be a bit of a, maybe an expensive starter item. Um, but as Sam said, you really get a lot of pages for your money. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, it, it, I mean, my first one lasted a year and I wrote in it at least once a week, if not, well, more than that usually, but at least. And then some weeks I was filling 15, 20 pages. So it definitely lasts a long time. Absolutely. I've, I've also yeah. found that those particular notebooks last a long, long time and it's easy to get mm -hmm. the dot grid in them. And mm -hmm. the, the other thing that you can get that is sort of similar is probably a moleskin. And yes. th they're also good, but it's, it's both sort of for a notebook like that, you're in the 15 to 20 quid range. Correct, but, yeah. But it does make a difference, the paper quality, if you're, if you're wanting to make something that, that is going to last you a while. I always yeah, feel like you know, bleeding through sucks. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The, the other alternative that I actually did before I, I invested in my in my nice fancy notepad was I just bought a cheap plain notepad from like Wilco or Stationers anywhere, um, and then I, I went online and just found a free printable dot matrix that I laid underneath. And then mm. it still gave you the same effect. Um, and obviously now it's a lot more, it, it takes less time because I don't have to lay it underneath and the paper quality is loads better. But I think it's, um, you know, it's great to, to buy a really nice notepad because you just feel like you've invested and it feels nice. But if you, you know, the last thing you want to do is, is think that you have to invest all that money in the fancy gear and actually even just cartridge printer paper and you could print a dot matrix underneath and then you could staple the pages together at the end it's the same effect it's just what um mm -hmm. you know and that's for me that's actually what i did first um to test out if i actually enjoyed doing notes and drawings and doodles because i thought i didn't want to spend 15 20 pound on a notepad and then realize actually i hated doing it and it was just going to be another empty book sitting on the shelf next yeah. to all the language books. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> yes, you do. We've seen the pictures on Instagram. <laughs> love a good, yeah, love a good notebook. Love a good kind of, and it, it, it's, it's yes, it's a luxury. And it can be a luxury item or like an in indulgence to purchase mm -hmm. one. So you're, you're right that really you can start this on 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 any old thing but it's it's yeah. nice it's nice once you start really committing to it like my welsh notebook actually i haven't mm -hmm. used it in a little while it's a moleskin but i literally started that in 
like 2013. No, oh, wow. that, that's not true. 2016. <laughs> 2013, I was not learning Welsh yet. But, you know, sort of like the year after I got married. So quite early in my Welsh journey. And when I look back through yeah. it now, it's exactly like what you were saying earlier, Catherine. I look back through... I have recordings basically of the first vocab lists I wrote and I look at those now yeah. and I'm like, I know all of these words, like pages and it pages and pages. Great. Yeah. It makes you feel so good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's I worth it. The other thing, when you invest in, in a in a notebook that is more expensive, I mean, I had my uh, notebook, my newest one, for three days before I actually dared put pen to paper. Mm-hmm. Because I think when something is that expensive, you're like, oh, the first page, I don't want to mess it up. And you need to get over that initial fear. So the first thing I did was on the first page was just stick a photograph in because then it's done. You've got over the fear of writing on the first page. Um, and as soon as I stuck something in, I was like, right, good to go. And from then on, it was just, it's fine. If you make a mistake, just cross it out. Mm-hmm. World isn't going to end. Wow, so. that's really that's a really good good tip actually because I've had bullet journal <laughs> yeah. page one anxiety or some stupid stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. So we're coming to the end of today's podcast, but obviously, guys, if you're listening and you can already tell, there's so much more to discover about this. So first of all, I want to give a shout out to Catherine, uh, who on Instagram goes under the handle three six five small steps, and Sam goes by the handle pillar to posts and yes i did change my prepositions in that sentence for no reason so it's pillar to posts and all of that of course you will find in the show notes and please do check out the galleries lots and lots of great pictures and i want to give a shout out as well to irregular endings a little australian language stationer language obsessed stationer who i was chatting to before rebecca and she produces some more in the area of cards, greeting cards, calendars, but also I think she's branched out into notepads and things like that. So again, you can find some interesting template materials there. You can, of course, find very interesting, very helpful um, and very, very well researched and thought out and tried and tested uh, templates if you want in the Language Habit Toolkit, which I will throw into the show notes as well. and. I just can't wait to hear back from you guys. And please do share your own, share your own photos of your various language learning notes. You can do that on face, Facebook. Face, well, you can do it on Facebook, but I might not see it. Or in the Facebook group, Fluent Language Learners. I will see it. Or you can do it on Instagram and just use the hashtag The Fluent Show. I am extremely organized about this show, as you can tell. And that is it from me. I can just see Catherine just laughing her head off. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so, as with usual levels of aplomb, the Fluent Show number 107 is wrapping up. I want to say thank you to both of my amazing guests. I, you guys, are, you've inspired me in so many ways already. So, I hope everybody else is feeling the same way. So, thank you very much, Catherine. Thank you, Sam. It's goodbye from me. Goodbye. Goodbye from Sam. Bye. <laughs> and goodbye from Catherine. Thanks. Bye. Thank you for listening to The Fluent Show. Don't forget that you can send us your comments and questions to be answered on the show to Kirsten, that's K-E-R-S-T-I-N, at fluentlanguage.co.uk. Or you can find us on Twitter at The Fluent Show. We're always so excited to hear from you. We read every message. Don't forget to review us. See you next week.